Welcome to God, the Bible, and Spiritual Things Explained, where you get insight surrounding God, the Bible, and spiritual things that you may or may not have heard before. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, God's Child. Today, we're talking about when God baits the enemy for blessing. That's right. God actually baits the enemy sometimes, actually a lot of times. However, you may be wondering with what and why. Well, he does it for a blessing. And the bait may surprise you because it's more of a question of who he uses than what he uses. And that who is his children. Those of us who've repented and confessed that Jesus Christ, a.k.a. Yeshua HaMashiach, is Lord, believing he sacrificed his life for our sins and defeated death by rising again so that we may be saved and have eternal life with the Father. Yep. God uses his very own children as bait for a blessing. Why? It's one of the many dumbfounding and amazing strategies God has in place to release blessings to us. You see, the enemy always has tricks up his sleeve, plotting and planning against us however he can get at us through his main modes of evil, stealing, killing, and destroying, as it tells us in John 10.10. And this, God knows. For 1 Peter 1 verse 8 says he's always on the prowl like a roaring lion looking for any and all he can devour. Eat up. Because he mad. He'll never get the opportunity we have to have eternal life with the Father and wants to hurt God by taking as many of us out or down for the count as he can. So God, being the OG that he is, decided that since Satan was going to do this, he might as well take advantage of it. For nothing can happen except God allows it. That includes what the enemy does. You see, Ecclesiastes 3 informs us that there's a reason and purpose for everything that happens under the heaven. Heaven, which is God's main residence where he maintains rule, you know, sovereignty on his throne over all. And although he's given us dominion over the works of his hands, his creation, as we're told in Psalm 8, because a ruler rules and leaves the duties of what needs to be done to the subjects of his kingdom, God, as the sovereign ruler, can intervene at any time to stop or do anything he chooses. So, whatever goes on, he knows about it. Because he's the beginning from the end, and therefore, if he allows it to happen, he has a reason and a purpose for it. Therefore, if he in his sovereignty allows the enemy to do certain things, best believe he has a reason and purpose for allowing it. And when it comes to his children, as Joseph in Genesis 50 verse 20 so intelligently dropped the mic when he spoke to his brothers regarding the evil God allowed them to do to him. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good which Romans 8.28 evidences that all things, not just the good, but all things, work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Amen to that. Therefore, sometimes when God allows the enemy to get at us who love him and are called according to his purpose, we just become bait for a blessing. And when the enemy bites God has already determined how it's going to work for our good. Good thing the enemy doesn't know, which well-chosen bait is designed to do, not 
be detected as bait. And child, we the perfect bait since he's trying to devour us anyway, which is why God decided to use his old evil to bless us. And that old enemy is just too stupid to see is easy for a purpose. Child, he's still stuck on stupid from his first fall and still ain't learned nothing yet. <laughs> anyway, let's look at a few examples that illustrate this ever so well. Case in point number one, Job. If you haven't read this book, child, make sure you read it after this because it's so juicy and showing all the stops that old fool the enemy pulled to devour old Job. You see, Satan came before God and the sons of God. And God was like, where you come from? Now, you know, God know everything, right? So it's almost like he was playing with him a little bit. But Satan answered that he had been going to and fro in the earth. Just like I mentioned earlier, he be roaming around looking for who he can devour like the old predator he is. God knew he already been wanting to get at Job, which is why he asked him if he had considered Job, bragging about him. And this is how you know Satan had been wanting so bad to get at Job because he jumped at the chance to say something about Job once God brought him up because he had no legal case against him to accuse him before God in order to get any right to get at him as God said he was perfect and upright and therefore protected. So Satan thought he was punking God by saying he only being good because you done set him for life. He ain't got nothing to worry about. You got him dang on hedged in your protection. So, of course, he going to be good and honor you. But bet, do something to him right now. I guarantee he going to curse you to your face. And ladies and gentlemen, the bait, Job, was bitten as God intended. Yep, God made use of the fact the enemy has so badly been wanting to get at Job. And God put him on the hook for him and reeled him on in. So it began. God dropped the hedge and gave him access to mess with Job's something file, but with limits, baby. Yes, baby, he could only go as far as God allowed him as God always had the rod in his control. And you know God know everything, so he knew how it was going to end. He knew what Job was going to do like he bragged. He was a perfect and an upright man that feared God and turned away from evil. Now, you think he was going to brag about somebody that might show him as a lie. Child, please. He knew Job wasn't going to curse him, although he did say some stuff and curse the day he was born. But he in no way fixed his mouth to curse God. So just to let the enemy go ahead and get it out, his system wanted to get at Job to make him curse God. He let him. But remember, with limits and only with intentions for it to work for Job's good, as the word says, all things work together for the good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Therefore, if you read the story to the end, you find out after all the low down, dirty, oompa mess the enemy did to buy Job, the bait, and baby, he beat him as hard as he could to force him to curse God to his face. It didn't work. And because Job did what was right, God blessed him even more than he was blessed before he became bait. Bait for a blessing. Case in point number two. Going back to Joseph, who we mentioned earlier. His story is in Genesis chapters 37 through 50. He too was used as bait for a blessing. You see, 
Joseph was his father's most favorite son of his 12, which his brothers hated him for. To top this off, Joseph had a dream from God, which he shared that was interpreted as his brothers bowing down to him, and another after that that his mother and father would as well. This made his brothers flaming hot Cheetos, man, which made them prime real estate for the enemy to utilize for evil, and that he did. And then, on one fateful day, Joseph's father sent Joseph to peep out how his brothers were, which Joseph obeyed. However, when his brothers saw little old 17-year-old Joseph coming, wide open and defenseless, away from the seeming protection of his father, the enemy, via his hate-filled brothers, saw an opportunity to get at him and bit the bait to devour Joseph, intending to snuff out his life and the dreams attached to it. But how many know that according to Numbers 23, verse 19, God is not a man that he will lie, nor the son of man that he will change his mind? Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? For the dreams which Joseph had were not just any old regular dreams. They were dreams direct from God. And to take Joseph out would be to take out his God-given dream, which would make God a liar. And that we know God will never be. So when the enemy threw his brothers to devise his plan, they had no idea. They went up against God, not Joseph. But Joseph was the bait, and they was not about to make God out to be a lie. So don't you know that old enemy was baited for a blessing, baby? And what was that blessing? Well, instead of killing him, they sold him to get rid of him. But unbeknownst to them, they sold him into destiny, into the very God-given dream they sought to kill. That bite put everything in motion for what seemed impossible through circumstances to become possible. And that it did, baby. Long story short, Joseph ended up in Egypt as a slave where he endured more evil at the hand of the enemy, all with the purpose of him learning what he needed before that one great day God had predestined for him to be positioned to reign like a king appointed by Pharaoh. The fulfillment of his God-given dream. And that wasn't even the blessing. No, the blessing from Joseph being the bait for the enemy via his brothers was to save many people alive, including his brothers and whole family. As Joseph told them when they came face to face with him in fear of what they thought he would do to them because of what they did, he said, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good to bring about this present result to save many people alive. So what they sought to kill was actually their own blessing. For though they hated the dream that said he reigned over them, they were too stupid to see that the hidden blessing of the R-E-I-G-N reign was not just that he'd be in a place to rule over them, but that God intended that he'd be in position to R-A-I-N, reign over them for their salvation because of the famine God knew was coming to the land that would have tragically taken not only them out, but many lives over. But hey, ain't it good when God based the enemy for a blessing? Anybody else willing to be made for God? Well, we ain't stopping there. Let's go to case in point number three, Mordecai. We get to know his story in the book of Esther. Esther, who was his niece, whom he took care of after her parents' deaths. Mordecai served under the king of Persia to whom Esther became queen. 
He was a devout Jew who only bowed down to his God, which made him public enemy number one to Haman, a chief officer of the king, because he refused to bow down and pay homage to him. Now, although basically the entire kingdom bowed and gave homage to him, little old Mordecai irked the hell of Oompa Loompa out of Haman, which made Mordecai prime bait to be used by God for a blessing. And, as calculated, the enemy bit. Old Haman, like a true punk, in his sleekness and but her egotism, decided he was going to take Mordecai out, but not only him. No, this degenerate decided to wipe out all his people, every single Jew within the realm of the kingdom, and it was a huge kingdom. Come on now, you ready to commit genocide on an entire people because your feelings hurt? But hey, this was no sweat off God's brow who set the bait, because when it comes to God and the enemy messing with his children, punks jump up to get beat down and get God's rebuke. Punks jump up to get beat down and get God's rebuke. And that's exactly what Haman was about to get. You see, after convincing the king that the Jews were a threat to the kingdom and needed to be killed, he then got the big head, listening to his wife and friends to build the gallows to hang Mordecai on. He wasn't trying to let that bay go in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Uh-uh. God knows exactly what bait will hook the enemy so well that he won't even know he's hooked. And think he actually going to divide the bait and go on about his business. Well, as usual, the enemy's plans begin to unravel after he's taken the bait. So it was. Haman went to request the life of Mordecai from the king, but his big head got him sidetracked when the king asked what he should do for the man he wants to honor, as Haman totally thought it was him and forgot all about Mordecai wasting no time suggesting the VIP treatment the man the king wanted to honor should get. Child, he went all out because, after all, he thought it was him. And he was only getting what he deserved, right? Only one problem, baby. After describing the extravagance to be done to the one the king wanted to honor, the king gave him the go-ahead to do it all, not leaving out any of what he said. Do it to Mordecai, that is. Child, can you imagine what kind of dick out of the headlights Haman must have felt? And so it began, the beat down and the blessing all in one moment, the beat down for Haman and the blessing for Mordecai. Now to make a long story short, but you should read the long story for all the gritty details if you haven't. Esther pleaded with the king for her and her people's lives, revealing she too was a Jew so treacherously targeted by Haman's murderous plot. Oh, and then Haman approaches her after the king storms out before he blew his cool, but comes back to see him in what he saw as a disrespectful position with his queen. And before you knew it, the chamberlains was like, yo king, the gallows Haman built to hang Mordecai on, stand in the court. So on top of all this, the king was probably like, no. So you want to kill a true man of honor, too? Then the king said it. Hang him on it. Listen now. The very gallows Haman built to hang Mordecai on, he got hung on himself. The word does say in Proverbs 26, verse 27, you dig a pit for someone else, you'll fall into it yourself. 
So please take heed before you plot somebody else's demise, because according to the word of God, you'll basically be preparing the sneak preview to your own demise, which when it comes, looking at all that happened to Haman, it could be a blockbuster, because baby, busted he was. And well, looks like Haman had come to the end of the road. It was time to go. King was fired up and had had enough of his evil. Haman had come to the end of the road. When as far as he could go, he had bit the bait. It was all too late. God had set him up. Yes, yes. Haman bit the bait, Mordecai, and got the beat down. And then the blessing came. Not only for Mordecai, but for his entire people. You see, Haman's plot backfired, and the Jews got more respect than they had before it all started. Mordecai got promoted in place of Haman and received everything that was his, including his real estate and more. Now, I know some of y'all might be thinking, sign me up to be bait. But don't be trying to make yourself nobody's bait. We talking about when God baits the enemy for a blessing, not when you bait him. You better sit your tail down somewhere and let God be God. Don't mess around playing with fire and get yourself burned. Now for the greatest, most magnanimous case and point of them all. Jesus! Yeah, baby, Jesus was bait if bait ever was. Yes, the Father God used his only begotten Son as bait for a blessing, and we all eating off that blessing. Hallelujah. You see, if you don't know by now, Jesus was an entire setup. He came with a specific assignment to live a perfect, sinless life and sacrifice that life to pay the price for our sins so that we might be redeemed through him. Well, like we already established, punks jump up to get beat down. And boy, did the enemy get a beat down when he bit the bait Jesus. Jesus went to work teaching, healing, delivering, forgiving, resuscitating, creating, and much, much more. All while the enemy kept biting at him till Jesus' time came to finish his assignment. Jesus left himself wide open, and the enemy bit so hard that it's a wonder his teeth didn't break. And with that bite, the enemy thought to himself, Gotcha now, Jesus. Not realizing he done got his own self by helping forge forth the plan and purpose for Jesus to give up his life in exchange for us to pay our sin debt, so that through him, the free gift of salvation will be up for grabs for all who are willing to receive it. God basically did a booyah on the enemy. Child, won't he do it? God used Jesus' own son as bait for the greatest blessing of all. Thank you, Jesus, for the blessing of salvation we got. And just in case you don't have it yet but want it, listen another minute or so to find out how to get it. So if you've been catching it from the enemy, been bit more times than you care to count, and you know not all them bites from you messing up. Well, God just might be using you to bait the enemy for a blessing, baby. Then know it's all good. But don't just take my word for it. I encourage you to do your own study, pray and read the Bible so you can know that you know that you know. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in order to receive eternal salvation, but would like to, according to Romans chapter 10, verse 9, all you have to do is confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. 
Want a little help with that? Repeat this simple prayer after me. Lord God, forgive me for my sins. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose again so that I may have eternal life in you. So I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Amen. It's as simple as that. Now you're part of the family of God. Wherever you are, find a local church or a group of believers that can help and support you on your new journey in your new life in Christ Jesus. Many blessings to you as you walk in who God created you to be, doing what he blessed and equipped you to do. You are God's child. Want to bless or show support for God, the Bible, and spiritual things explained? Well, you're welcome to send a financial gift to Cash App using cash tag G-T-B-S-T-E. You're also invited to pick up a little inspired merch from our store at Zazzle.com forward slash store forward slash G-T-B-S-T-E. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with other listeners. Thank you in advance and God bless you as he blesses those who bless his children. Catch you another time, another day, another episode for God, the Bible, and Spiritual Things Explained.